Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. We started a series uh, last week that we're calling Battle Cry, and it's a series that's all about the spiritual battles that we face, and more specifically, that one spiritual battle that we just can't quite seem to win. It's about that one area of our life where we've just kind of tasted defeat over and over and over again. That battle where if we're honest, we'd have to admit like we kind of gave up hope of tasting victory like a long time ago. Like we're, we're kind of gaining ground here. We're doing okay in this area. We're progressing over here. But when it comes to this one area, we're just kind of, kind of stuck. But what we learned last week is that no matter what that battle is, no matter what you're facing, you can have victory in and through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And what we learned is no matter what fight we fight as Christ followers, every single fight is being fought upon conquered ground. And, uh, and it was so amazing to hear kind of your emails and to get text messages and to have conversations where hundreds of you basically pulled me aside and said, it's been a long time since I felt hopeful about this one area. And to be honest, I never thought that I would change. But after listening to the message, after being together with the people of Hope Community Church, I walked out of that and I just felt hope for the first time in a long time. And I'm excited about how God can change me, about how he can transform me. And that's, that's what it's all about. And my prayer is that this week is no different, that God does a work through his truth that we're going to explore uh, today. And God has used this truth to transform our life. This week, we're going to talk about the most powerful weapon that God has given us in the battles that we face. And that's a big statement, but it's true. And uh, I kind of need to start off by explaining something real quick. So if you're a Christ follower, uh, there's something weird going on in your heart that you kind of need to know about. Some of you just had a flashback to your last cardiologist appointment. But uh, it's true, uh, there's a war going on in your heart between two different spirits. And the first spirit is what the Bible calls the flesh. And we talked a little bit about the flesh last week. He's one of our three main enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the flesh is the old you. It's the you that you inherited from your earthly parents, not your heavenly father. And what makes the flesh so powerful is that it's not an outside enemy. He actually resides inside of you. But if you're a Christ follower, the Bible says that something weird has happened to the flesh. That the flesh kind of is still a part of you after you believe, but that it's dead. It's been crucified with Christ. The power has been removed. If you're a Christ follower, the flesh is still inside of you. It's, it's dead. It just doesn't know it yet. Anybody ever chop off the head of a snake? You know, summer, you get the black snakes and the copperheads. Yeah. What happens when you cut the head off a snake? Does that snake just automatically die? No. The head keeps chomping away, right? That's why experts say that the best thing you can do is bury the head of a snake because if not, it can still bite you. So for five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, that head kind of keeps chomping away. That snake is dead it just doesn't know it yet. And that's the same as your flesh. And this is one of the mysteries of the Bible that I don't understand. I've probably asked God a hundred times, why in the world, after I believed in Jesus, would you keep the flesh inside of me? 
Like, why do I have to wait till Christ comes back in the new heavens and the new earth to get rid of this, this guy? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. But I do know that that's not the full story. That yes, you have the flesh, the old you still living inside of you. But if you're a Christ follower, God's done something absolutely amazing. He's done something absolutely unthinkable. He's done something absolutely phenomenal. He sent another spirit to reside in you. And it's not just any spirit. He sent the very spirit of the living God to reside within your hearts. You guys do not seem as amazed as you should be at that one statement. Like, like the God who created the universe, his spirit is living inside of you. Like you do know all the people in the Old Testament would have given anything to have God's spirit come live in them and they didn't get to experience it. That, that privilege is reserved for us. Like you have something that Abraham and Moses and Sarah and Rebecca and Joshua and David never got to experience. It's the spirit. See, in the past, God sometimes would place his people inside of his presence, but we live in a time where God places his presence inside of his people. That's amazing. And by the way, if you're not a Christ follower, then you don't have the gift of the Spirit, but that's okay. We're glad that you're here, that you're not alone. There's lots of folks just like you kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. But if you've been kind of sitting back, waiting for, for God to kind of sweeten the pot, I would say the Holy Spirit should put you over the edge. Like that's a really good reason to start following Jesus. And you can pull any of us aside and we'd love to talk to you about that. But if you are a Christ follower, the moment that you believed the gospel and were born again, the flesh was killed and the spirit moved in, which means you got a new roommate. There's three of you living under the same roof. But there's a problem, see. The flesh and the spirit, they don't really get along. In fact, they hate each other. <laughs> they can't stand each other. They want to oppose different things. And so every moment of every day, there's this battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. You know those old cartoons with like the devil on your shoulder and the angel on one shoulder? They kind of had it right, right? So the flesh and the spirit are constantly fighting. And guess what they're fighting about? It's not over whose turn it is to do the dishes. And it's not over what the thermostat said. No, the flesh and the spirit are constantly fighting and they're fighting over you. They're fighting over who gets to influence and control you. See, the flesh is trying to influence and pull you away from God and towards death and destruction. He doesn't say that. He kind of dresses it up and makes it seem all attractive and tempts you into it. But that's what he's trying to do. And then the spirit is trying to pull you and influence you towards life and towards blessing. So there's this battle going on. So if you've ever felt like you're kind of conflicted internally, <laughs> like the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, uh, the things I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. This is why, because of this battle. In fact, Roman, Romans 8 puts it like this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed or influenced or controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. But you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. We have a decision to make, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the, spirits of, the Spirit of God are children of God. What that means is the question of your life, the question that decides if you're going to stay stuck in that habit or in that cycle or in that bad relationship or in that secret hidden sin or experience breakthrough and transformation and change is who are you going to follow? Are you going to choose to follow the flesh or the spirit? But here's the problem. For a lot of us, we understand the flesh because we've been living with it our entire lives. We know how they work. We, we understand their voice. We recognize that. But the Holy Spirit, on the other hand, he is a complete and utter mystery to us. In fact, just by saying the word Holy Spirit, a lot of y'all got weirded out. <laughs> because some of y'all grew up in churches, if you grew up in church at all, where the Holy Spirit was never talked about. Like you went to a church that talked a lot about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Uh, but not so much the Holy Spirit. And so he's kind of, this is, this is new for you. This is uncharted territory. And then some of you grew up going to church. Uh, that, that's, that's all they talked about. All they talked about was the Holy Spirit. They weren't afraid of the Holy Spirit. They just made other people afraid of the Holy Spirit because they were weird. Uh, because they were hooping and they were hollering and they were doing all this sort of weird stuff. And so um, because you had that experience, you equate the Holy Spirit with weirdness and you kind of shy away as well. First, let me just say, those people would have been weird without the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. That's a product of genetics or something like that. But the Spirit makes people like Jesus. But, but you need to know that the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is God's special gift given to his children to help them fight and achieve victory in any battle that they face. In fact, I tell every new believer that I get a chance to tell, if you're a high schooler, students, if you're, if you're watching at one of our campuses, those of you that are taking your first few steps in your personal faith, that are making kind of Jesus and following him your own, this is what I tell every single person starting out on that journey. The most important thing you can do the moment you start following Christ is to cultivate a relationship with the Spirit. The most important thing that you can do the moment you start following after Jesus is to begin to cultivate a relationship with, the, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you hear that, and you're like, okay, cultivate a relationship with the Spirit. Like, I, Chase, I understand how to cultivate a relationship with my neighbor. Like, I get that. I understand how to form a relationship with a coworker. And that's because, oh, I don't know, I can see them, and I can talk to them, and they talk back, and I can interact. But how in the world do I do that with the Spirit? Well, I have really good news for you. You ready for this? This is going to blow your minds. This is super deep, really profound. You ready? Write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person. And that seems like, duh, but so many people don't think of him that way. There's a ton of people that have this idea of the Spirit that he's this ethereal presence or he's this mysterious energy or he's this incomprehensible force or he's this feeling or he's this atmosphere. But the Bible is very, very clear that the Spirit, he's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not a mystical energy. He's not an aura. He's a he. He's a person. And just like any other person, he has a personality. He likes certain things and he dislikes other things. He has feelings. He can feel when he's welcomed or when he's not. He can feel delight. He can feel anger. Uh, he responds to our actions. He can tell when he's wanted 
And when he's not, he can decide whether he wants to hang around or not. And the breakthrough happens when we start treating and responding to the spirit less like a force and more like the person that he is. See? The breakthrough and the power happens when we stop trying to unleash this mysterious energy and instead start to foster and grow and, and, and form a relationship, a partnership with the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? Let's get really practical because he is the greatest weapon that God has given us in any battle that you can face. Well, I could do a whole sermon series on this, and I might later. Uh, but today, I just want to give you three steps, all right? Three steps in unlocking the power of the Spirit. First, when you're just beginning, which let's be honest, that's like, I don't know, 90% of us. But when you're just beginning, the very first thing that you want to do is welcome him. You welcome him. And a lot of us don't think about this step. But like when a guest comes over, uh, and let's say they're going to have dinner or something, what, what are some of the things that you do that you immediately think of? Uh, well, the first thing that you do is, is you plan a really good menu, right? You're probably not going to serve your guests like leftover spaghetti. Now, in my opinion, three-day-old spaghetti is the best spaghetti. But you're going to grill some steaks and you're going to cook them like Jason Gore told you to cook them, right? You're going to cook, uh, cook grandma's famous mac and cheese, right? And then you're going to get the nice dishes out. The dishes that you are not allowed to use until company comes over, right? You're going to use glass cups, like not the sheets cup that you've been using for like six weeks, right? You're going to buy uh, the good wine and the good beer, like none of this three-buck chuck and, and white cloth. I mean, that comes out after the good stuff's gone. Don't get me wrong, but still, right? And then I know at my house we get the cheese knives out. Like I know that company's coming over when the cheese knives come out. Can I tell you a secret? I don't even think we own cheese knives. I've looked at every single drawer and every single cabinet. I cannot track them down, but as soon as company's about to come over, they just appear, right? So you get the cheese knives out. You clean the guest bathroom, which you haven't done in like a year and a half, right? You take the trash out. You take those, those crumbs from like a cookie six weeks ago and you kick it underneath the couch, right? And you do all of this for what reason? To create a welcoming environment. See, here's the thing that we see in Scripture over and over again. The Holy Spirit as a person, he's sensitive. He's not a pet. He's, he's a real person. So he can tell when he's welcome and when he's not. And he's not going to force himself into an environment that he doesn't feel welcomed. You want to hear some very sobering verses? I'm going to take a turn and tone real quick. Um, but it says this in Genesis chapter 6. It says, Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they're mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Uh, that word contend means to strive or to fight. And what that means is the spirit went to the father and said, I'm sick of fighting with these guys. Can we just like put an end to their lives so they won't be stuck in sin? And God's, yeah, yeah, how about 120 years, right? So he doesn't like fighting with us. Ephesians 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 1 Thessalonians said, don't quench the spirit. Don't extinguish the flame of the spirit in your heart. Or Hebrews, very, very sobering. The author's talking about God's anger towards the Old Testament saints who would sin and then repent and sin and repent. And there was this constant, constant cycle of sin and repentance. And he said, and he was angry at them, but how much worse if you're a Christ follower and you know the gospel and you have the spirit that you go on in unrepentant sin. For a long period of time, he says, how much worse punishment do you think will be reserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God or has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified, and get this, and has outraged or insulted the spirit of grace? 
See, the Spirit's a person. And you can fight with him. You can grieve him. You can quench him. You can insult him. You can outrage him. They put it this way for you married couples. If you just took like a two or three month period and all you did was belittle your spouse or all you did was just do all the things that they hate over and over and over again or you just gave them the cold shoulder for months on end and you're like, how do you know about my married life? I'm not explaining it, but re-engage, you should go. But eventually, though your spouse might not divorce you, they might never divorce you, where are you gonna be sleeping? Be sleeping on the couch, right? There's not gonna be any intimacy. There's not gonna be a relationship. There's not gonna be a partnership. And it's the same with the Spirit. A lot of us have never experienced the power of the Spirit because we've never taken the time to create a welcoming environment. In fact, we've done the opposite. We've created an unwelcoming environment. We've been giving him the cold shoulder for 10 years. We've been doing stuff that he hates, and we wonder why he doesn't show up more often. I think one of the ways that we grieve the Spirit the most is by inviting other roommates to come and take up permanent residence in our hearts. We invite other roommates to come and live in our hearts. The Spirit's like, I got the flesh and I got you. Like, it's a full house already. But instead, we invite other roommates, roommates like lust or pride, roommates like bitterness or division or unforgiveness. We in, we've invited other roommates to come and live with us full time. And if there's one thing we know about the Holy Spirit, it's that the Spirit hates sharing our heart with something else. The Spirit hates sharing our hearts with something else. He will not compete with other gods with the lowercase g. And this is what we see. God, God wants your all or he wants none of this. He's a jealous God. We see this in uh, 1 Samuel 5. Jim Bergen talked about this uh, when he came and spoke a few weeks ago. But in 1 Samuel 5, the Philistines, Israel's enemy, go into the Israelites' camp and they take the Ark of the Covenant, if you remember this story. And that's where the presence of God, the Spirit of God resided. And they steal it and they take it back to their country. And when they get into town, they're like, where are we going to put the presence of our enemy's God? They're like, I don't know, stick him with our God. So they put him in the temple of Dagon, which is the God that they worship. Well, what happened? the next morning they come in and they see, they go, oh, Dagon, Dagon's fallen over, right? Uh, he, his, his face is in the sand. And so they, they pick the God back up. They walk back out. The next morning they come in and sure enough, Dagon's fallen over again. They're like, what is going on? And they pick the idol back up again. They come in the third morning and the head and the arms of the God that they worshiped has been destroyed, turned to dust. And it's just a torso sitting there. Like they just entered in right before God had finished the job of destroying his roommate, right? Because the presence of God doesn't like roommates. Listen, anytime the presence of God enters a house, other things have to go. And you see this all throughout the Gospels. It's a really interesting study. But every single time Jesus enters a house in the Gospels, other things have to leave. Like when Jesus enters Jairus' house, weeping and death um, uh, have to leave and are replaced by resurrection and by life. When Jesus enters the house of Zacchaeus, greed and cheating have to leave. And generosity and reconciliation move in. When Jesus entered the house of Simon, judgment and pride, they got to move out to make way for forgiveness. And when Jesus entered the house of Levi, like personal plans and ambitions and moved out and submission and obedience moved in. See, when God moves in, other things have to move out. So some of us don't see the spirit working at all. We have never experienced the spirit leading or guiding or empowering. It's because we've cluttered up our hearts with all these things that he hates. And before you gain any ground in that one battle 
that you just can't quite seem to win, those things have to go. And listen, here's what I've learned. The Spirit's not going to kick those things out for you. See, the Spirit doesn't remove things from your life. He just defeats them. Doesn't remove things from your life. He just defeats them. And then he leaves it up to you to remove them. He, like, signs the eviction notice, but it's up to you to kick them out, right? He, he takes all their power away, but it's up to you to toss them out on the street. And, and it's not that you have to be perfect for the Holy Spirit before he'll enter. You receive him the moment that you accept Jesus. He's going to help you with this cleaning process. He just wants some cooperation, see? And this is a long process. This isn't like a one-time thing. This isn't spring cleaning. This is a continual, lifelong endeavor. But if you want the power of the Spirit unleashed in your life, it's something that you have to do. So ask yourself, am I creating an environment that's welcoming or unwelcoming for the Spirit? What sort of things do you look at? What sort of things do you listen to? What sort of things do you let in? Do the things that you bring into your life grieve the Spirit or do they please the Spirit? What do you need to start doing and stop doing to make sure that the Spirit feels welcome in your heart? And I know some of you are going to say, hey, Chase, that's why I'm here this week. Because <laughs> last week there's something that I just can't seem to remove from my heart. And I need the power to do that. And I'd say, that's okay. Just start with what you can. Just remove the things that you can. And slowly you'll see you're creating more room for the Spirit to work in your life. But that's the first step. You welcome him. The second step is you commune with him. You talk to him. You cultivate a relationship with him. You don't just welcome him in, but you sit down on the couch and you speak with him. You talk to him. You ask him to speak with you as well. You stop praying just to the Father and the Son, and you start praying to the Spirit. You know you can do that? That's completely fine. That's awesome. You tell him what you're struggling with. You open up about your fears and your hopes and your dreams. You thank him and you dialogue with him. And as you do this over a period of time, you'll find that he starts to speak back. Now, not audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I have heard a leading and a guiding and a prompting that is, that is louder than any human voice could be. But if you'll just begin dialoguing with him, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start to learn to discern the difference between the voice of the flesh and the voice of the spirit. See, you've heard the voice of the flesh your entire life, and it's hard to get out of your head, and it's hard to separate the two, but that's one of the most important spiritual skills that you can ever develop, to be able to say, is that, is that the flesh talking or is that the spirit? Is that, is that my father in heaven talking or is that the enemy? And this is so important. I wasn't even gonna say this, but I ran up to my office and grabbed this, Card, you remember our counterculture series? Um, when Jason preached, um, it was a few months ago, he asked us to write on our card, what's the one thing in life that you have almost given up on? And we had thousands of cards kind of laid on the altar that we prayed over that weekend, but we haven't stopped. Uh, we, we take them to staff meetings. We prayed over them as a staff at least four times, and we wept over these cards, and we cried over these cards, and we prayed over these cards. And some of these cards are like, I, I've given up that I will ever lose weight, and so we've prayed over that. Or I've given up that this relationship will be rescued, and so we've prayed over that. But some of these cards said, I, I've given up on myself. I've given up on living any longer. I've given up on the will to continue my life. And when you read those cards and you see them in handwriting, just tears come down your eyes. But one thing that I just thought in my brain was like, this person is confusing the voice of the accuser with their heavenly father. Like they can't discern the difference. 
that shame, that guilt that would lead to you giving up on that, that is not the voice of the Father. The Father was willing to send his Son to die for you. And so one of the most important skills that you can develop is to learn to differentiate between the voice of the flesh and the accuser and the voice of the Spirit and your Heavenly Father. So you talk to him. You listen to him. You worship him. Do you know you can do that too? Like you can sing a song of praise to the Holy Spirit and the Father and Son. They don't get jealous at all. Right? You can do that. And then you start to ask him for things. You ask him for advice. You ask him to be with you in a conversation or in a meeting. You ask him to give you courage or willpower or patience or empathy or compassion or wisdom. You commune with him. You talk with him. You interact with him. You make him a part of your everyday life. And over time, what you'll find is when you stop being indifferent to the Holy Spirit, you'll start to be different due to the Holy Spirit. See? When you stop ignoring him and make him a part of your life, you'll automatically realize you're changing in ways that you never expected. So you welcome him, you commune with him, and lastly, you walk with him. You walk with him. I, uh, we have a three-year-old foster daughter. Um, we're moving towards adoption, which is awesome, but it could be a long process, so maybe one day I'll be able to tell you her name and share a picture. We've had her for like a year and a half, but I took her uh, to her very first all three-year-old dance class a few Saturdays ago, and I don't think a whole lot of things are cute. That was really cute. Like, that was like, that was up there with the puppy bowl, like during the Super Bowl, so there were all these three-year-olds in tutus and like their dancing shoes and falling over each other, but when we walked in, it's a new environment, and she's always shy in new environments. Not the first time, not the second time she's going to run the place, but the first time she's very, very shy. And so we walked into this new building and she had her tutu on and I could barely pry her off my chest. And then finally I got her off my chest and kind of onto the ground, but she was stuck to my leg, right? And everywhere I went, she went. And finally I got her pried off my leg and she would just hold my hand, but she's always looking up. Like, are you going this way? Okay, I'm going with you. Go, okay, you going this, go in the bathroom. Can I follow you? No, you can't do that, right? And so finally I get her to go into the classroom, but even when she's in the dance, class she's kind of looking around and the dance teacher says like I want you to do this with your right hand and so she's like looks at me like can I do that I'm like yeah and so I do my right hand so that she will do her right hand so I'm dancing behind the glass and like leading her and all this but there was another little girl there and she just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and uh, as soon as she got there she's like I'm not gonna dance right and so she sat in the corner on the bench outside and her mom tried for 47 minutes like it's gonna be fun it's gonna be awesome you should do this come follow me look at these little girls that are dancing and, and, and I had that experience when I was writing this message, and, and I just felt like, you know, that the way that, that my foster daughter responded to me, that's what the Spirit wants. Like, you go this way, Spirit? Okay, I'll go this way. You want me to go left? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go left. I'm going to go backwards? Okay, I'm going to go backwards. Hey, this, this person wants me to do that. Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to do this, right? But so often we're like that little girl in the corner, like, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't want to follow you. See? The whole point of welcoming and communing with the Spirit is to get us to the position where we'll walk with him, where we'll let him lead, where we'll let him be our God. And this is what separates people who experience victory in their life and people who just stay stuck. See, after the welcoming and after the communing and you've become familiar with and you've gotten close to the Spirit, there's going to come a season in your life, and it's a season that will never end. And it's a season where you have to decide if you're going to follow him or not. If you're going to let him lead or not. If you're going to stand up and walk with him or not. 
And don't get me wrong, the Spirit loves being welcomed. He enjoys that. The Spirit loves communing with you. He likes talking with you. He likes helping you. He likes, he likes empowering you. But what he wants more than all of that is for you to eventually be willing to take his hand and to follow him, to be guided by him, to be led by him. There will come a season where you're faced with a decision that all the saints we see in the Bible have to make eventually. Where Abraham says to Abraham, yeah, you've learned about my promises, you've learned about my plans, but will you walk into the wilderness with me? Or Moses, you've experienced my presence in the burning bush, you know what I'm about to do through Israel, but will you go with me to Pharaoh's palace? Or Paul, you've heard my voice, you know my truth, you know the gospel, but are you willing to leave everyone and everything you've ever known and go anywhere and do anything that I ask you to do, right? And see, the flesh doesn't want that. The flesh wants to stay, wants you to stay right where you are. You want to know something about the flesh? He's completely okay with you welcoming the Spirit as long as you stay where you are. The flesh is completely okay with you even worshiping and communing and having a relationship with the Spirit as long as you stay exactly where you are and that's stuck. But the Spirit wants to lead you somewhere new. He wants to take you into another direction. And that can be scary at first, but you have to make that decision. Will you stay where you are or will you follow him? Will you be guided by him? Will you walk with him? And that's the decision that only you can make. It's up to you. Amos says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You got to agree with the Spirit. So if you want to experience the power of the Spirit, you have to come to a point where you say, okay, I've done it my way for years and years and years, and it's gotten me nothing but heartache and stress and pain. I've done it my way, and all I've been able to come up with is just being stuck. And so, just out of desperation, Spirit, you... You take the reins. If that means self-denial, I'll do it. If that means sacrifice, yes. If that means discomfort, yes. If that means giving up something or walking towards something or walking away from something, I trust you. I submit to you. And that is where the power is. It's not sensing but surrendering to the spirit that makes all the difference. And in my experience, this is where a lot of people stop. I've sat across from dozens of people that are just kind of stuck in a marriage and like a toxic relationship where it's on again, it's off again, this cycle they can't get out of, a hidden sin. And you can tell they just so desperately want to get unstuck, but they're not ready yet because they're not in a place where they're ready to give up control and to give up their lives really to the spirit. And so they, they stay stuck instead of moving forward. And it's heartbreaking sometimes, but you, you, you can see these people are right on the precipice of experiencing a breakthrough and really tasting freedom for the first time. But there's this, 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 this hesitation, this not yet. I know where the Spirit's leading me, but I want to try it my way just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, not yet, not yet. And if I had to guess, that's a lot of you listening online or at one of our congregations where you're trying to follow the Spirit and the flesh at the same time where you're trying to face both ways at the same time, go in two different directions at once. Is that you? Where you want some of the spirit, but you also want some of the world? You want the benefits of the spirit without the cost? As the old pastor said, you're not yet ready to give your all to experience the all. Well, then you're not quite ready yet. And that's fine. That's fine. God's patient. <laughs> He's kind. 
we'd ask you to stick around, keep coming back, keep plugging in. But there are people who are ready. And I know because I talked to you last week. And I know the look in the eyes. It's this look of just tiredness and desperation, but also surrender and determination. And you can tell you're ready if you're a person where it's like, it's like um, I, I've been stuck forever and for some reason I was okay with that for years or decades even, but I've just gotten to a place in my life where I'm just not okay with that anymore. I just can't stay stuck any longer. And you're in a place where the, the pain of staying the same is so much greater than the pain of changing. And it might not be your very first step with the Spirit. Maybe you took 20 or 30 steps in your past, but you've just been stalled out for a while. But you're just ready, whether it's the first step or the next step, to take that step in the Spirit. And you know that there's greater intimacy with God that you should be experiencing and you're not. That there's, there's fruit that you should be bearing that you're not. There's victory that you should be experiencing and you're not yet. And you've said that phrase not yet enough times to know that all that gets you is just stuck forever. And so you're in this place where the things of the world, they don't really tempt you anymore because you've tasted and seen how empty it is. That the world has no sway over you. The things of the world get uglier and uglier and the things of God and the spirit become sweeter and more beautiful. And you're just at this place, this moment right now, listening to this message where you know you've tried it your way for years and years and years and you know it's trying to try something different, to try something new. If that's you, you're ready. <laughs> you're ready to experience the Spirit just empower you and take you to places that you never dreamed you could be. So if that's you, at one of our campuses or watching online, I want you to take out the card. The card that you received last week, if you forgot it, don't worry about it. We have one at the door for you. You should have received it when you walked in. We have a digital copy for those of you who are online. But if that's you, I want you to take out that card and we're gonna write another battle cry. We're gonna write another declaration, a commitment that you don't have to make if you don't want to. But I'm asking all of those that are ready to do this. The first week, our battle cry was, I will refuse to be anything less than who God has created me to be. And we all stood and said that together. It was a powerful moment. Well, this one is simple, but it's profound. Here's the battle cry for this week. I will welcome the Spirit and follow His lead. That's simple. I will welcome the Spirit and follow his lead. If you want to make that commitment, if you want to experience that change in your life, write that down with your own handwriting. I will welcome the Spirit and follow his lead. I'm not going to try it my way anymore. I'm done saying not yet. I want to be led and guide into a place of victory and new experience of God's grace and his power. I will welcome the Spirit and be led by him. If you wrote that down across all of our campuses in this room right now, I want to ask you to stand. I want to ask you to stand all over the room and we're going to say this out loud together. You ready? The battle cry for this week, I will welcome the Spirit and follow his lead. I will welcome the Spirit and follow his lead. One more time, I will welcome the Spirit and I will follow his lead. Father, we have made this request of you. <laughs> Spirit, would you feel welcome in our hearts? Would you give us the power to remove anything that kind of crowds you out Spirit, would you begin to speak with us in a new way? Father, I pray that you would just send your spirit to empower us. I pray that we would, we would experience just a taste of the victory that we know is coming because we choose to be led and guided by the spirit of the living God. So would you do all of this in the name of your son and for his glory, Jesus Christ, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.